I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 154 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, it is time for another Frogman Friday edition of First Class Fatherhood. Today, I will have the honor of speaking with former Navy SEAL and best-selling author Chad Williams. There is an awesome YouTube video of Chad telling his story called I'll Die Before I Quit. He is a powerful speaker, and I highly suggest you check it out. His book is just as powerful. It's called Seal of God. There's over 100,000 copies of it in print, and one of them can be yours if you head over to my Instagram account at Alec underscore Lace. Later, I'll be posting up a video with some instructions there on how you can win a free copy of the book. I realize that many of you guys listen to these episodes at your own pace, so it may be gone by the time you get there, but uh, it will be up there. I'm going to include a link in the description of this podcast episode so you can tap the book, get over and purchase a copy if you're interested. I highly recommend it. So I'm trying to add a new little flavor here with a little Frogman Friday giveaway, so get over there to my Instagram account and check out the details. Next week is going to be a lot of fun here on the podcast. The season finale of The Bachelor is on Monday and Tuesday, and I'm going to have a couple of first-class fathers joining me here in honor of that. I dropped one of those names on you in yesterday's podcast, Ryan Sutter, who was Trista's choice on the first-ever season of The Bachelorette. He will be here with me, and I will be dropping the other name on you at the conclusion of today's episode. So if you are interested to find out who it is, please hang in there till the end of today's episode to find out who it is. I can tell you a little hint here. He was a runner-up on The Bachelorette, and then he became The Bachelor the following season. All right, so today, a Navy SEAL, Monday and Tuesday, a couple of bachelors talk about a change of pace, but all are first-class fathers and fatherhood is what I'm here to celebrate. So let's keep it locked in here and help me spread the word about the podcast to every father in your neighborhood, in your contact list. Let them know about the show here. And if you're new to the podcast, please just swipe through the list of dads who have joined me here on the podcast. I guarantee you're going to find somebody that you're interested in listening to. Each father has something special to offer because fatherhood is so unique to all of us. There's billions of us on the planet, but we really can't explain it. It needs to be experienced. So each dad has a little something to offer that may be of some value to you, all right? So fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me, and let's jump right into the action now with former Navy SEAL Chad Williams. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and joining me now is a First Class Father. He is a combat veteran, a former member of the United States Navy SEAL teams, He is the author of a best-selling book titled Seal of God. He is a speaker, a warrior, a leader, and a hero. It is a big honor for me to say, Chad Williams, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be spending a little time with you and the listeners. All right, here we go. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I have two kids. Uh, I have a daughter that's six years old and a son that is three years old. Okay, cool. You got one of each here. Are you going to try to break the tie with another one or are you guys all done? 
I think that my wife and I, we have plans to continue on. We're probably going to have at least one more child, which is then going to have us outnumbered, you know, us against the children. Uh, but, you know, definitely looking forward to that. Definitely at least one more kid in, in the works. And, uh, and we'll just see. Maybe more from there. All right. I love to hear that. Do you have the kids involved in any uh, sports or activities? Not in any sports on any teams, but we're definitely very active. We go outdoors quite a bit. You know, one of their favorite activities is to go uh, hunting for lizards. And so we spend a lot of time out in the wetlands. In fact, our backyard is pretty filled with lizards because we'll take them home and, and hold them for a couple of days, feed them some crickets and whatnot, and then we'll just set them loose out in the backyard. So pretty much now any given day, you can go out into our own backyard and go find lizards hanging out on the brick wall. You can go catch them, you know, over by the trees. And so we get outside quite a bit. We throw the ball around. Um, I just put a bat in both of their hands the other day and uh, they're, they're naturals with a bat. So uh, just getting them involved in, you know, ball sports. And I'm probably going to get my son on a skateboard sometime soon because that was a big part of my life uh, growing up. I was actually sponsored by Van Shoes and did a little competitive skateboarding. But, yeah, you know, we, just, we get outside quite a bit, but, but no team sports yet. Okay, good enough. Chad, please take a minute here just to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Sure. So I spent about six years uh, in the military, and I would say about halfway through my time in, uh, I had, I guess, what you could call a, a sort of a, a red pill moment. Uh, you know, I think it was Mark Twain that famously said, you know, that the two most important days in a man's life is, number one, uh, the day that he was born, and then number two, the day that he discovers why. And so it was about halfway through my time in that I guess you could say I discovered my why. It was March 14th, uh, 2007. Uh, and that why was to know the creator, uh, to know him, but not only that, to also make him known. And here's what really struck me is that I had this perspective. Like here we are in the SEAL teams. We're, we're given a duty and a task. Uh, to bring sabotage to the plans of very evil men, men that have intentions of harming others. Uh, take, for instance, uh, somebody that is committed to strapping on a suicide vest. You know, someone that has that vest strapped on, they know that they are going down, uh, but they're not content with just that. Uh, they want something more. They want to take out as many people with them as they possibly can in the process. And so in the SEAL teams, if we're successful at our job, we've been given this duty and task to bring the sabotage to the plans of an enemy like that. If we are successful, we save people's lives. We save their earthly lives. Now, taking that even a step further, you know, once I realized that my purpose in life is to know my creator and make him known, I also realized that there is an ultimate suicide bomber that is out there, the ultimate terrorist. And some people know him as Satan. And if you think about it, this guy's strapped. He knows that he's going down. We've read the back of the book. Uh, he's going to that, that pit of fire, that place called hell, but he's not content with just la that. Just like any suicide bomber, he wants to take out as many people with him as he possibly can in the process. And you've got to make that personal. You know, that's our family members. Those are our friends. Those are our children that he wants to take out. And so who are, who's God's warriors? Where's his soldiers that are going to step in? And so God has his soldiers, and who is it? It's those that know him. So those that know the creator have been given the duty and the task, much like Navy SEALs, to go out and use a weaponized message to go and make him known. And so that weaponized message is the gospel. So I, I just I grasped that, you know, in the SEAL teams, we're fighting for earthly freedoms, but there's another fight out there that has to do with eternal freedom. So what good is it if I save somebody 
And, you know, now they have a temporal life that they can live out. When on a much greater capacity, a much greater scale, there's a fight involved out there uh, that has to do with eternal freedom. And so, like I said, halfway through my time uh, in the military, in the teams, uh, I realized this is my why. This is why I was made, to know the creator, to go and make him known. And upon my completion uh, in the SEAL teams, I got out and I, I got in to the next fight. Uh, which is putting a a dent in the kingdom of darkness by advancing uh, the kingdom of God. So that's what I've been doing ever since I got out. And it led to uh, writing a book called Seal of God, which uh, today there's over 100,000 copies uh, that are out there. And it's just led to some really cool opportunities from getting on major news networks, talking on, you know, Fox News, CNN, to getting in front of all different types of groups all over the nation, ranging from, you know, schools to faith-based events, even getting up in front of Fortune 500 companies and and getting to essentially spread the message I just shared uh, with you and the listeners. Wow, yeah, you put that so beautifully, Chad. We definitely need people like you in the fight, and thank God for people like yourself, because God is under attack in this country. He has been removed from our school systems, and I really believe that it's one of the biggest problems with everything that we're seeing take place in our country right now, along with the fact that there is a big fatherless problem in our country as well. I think those two issues combined is really creating some devastating results in our society and in our country. That fatherless problem is, is absolutely devastating. And, you know, I, w- I would suggest that people that are listening right now, they don't just take your word or my word for it. As, as soon as they get done listening, if they've got an Internet connection, they should go and, and check it out. The statistics, it's, it's very scary. It's, it's startling. You know, if they check out categories like sexual abuse victims or people that go and abuse others, uh, dropouts out of school, runaways, those that commit suicide or become murderers, girls that end up being the object of uh, pornographic films or sexual promiscuity. Whenever you look at any of those categories, what you will find out without question is they typically fall under the umbrella, the vast majority of them, under the umbrella of children that are raised by single mothers. It's when dad is out of the picture. And so dad is so critical and obviously the ultimate dad, you know, the the father in heaven, so critical in the lives of, of every human being that was made by him. Yeah, it's so true. And I've had a few police officers on the show. Most recently, I had uh, Deputy McElwain from Live PD. He confirmed exactly what the statistics are saying, that uh, a large percentage of the crimes are being committed by people who grow up without a father or a father figure in the home. It definitely correlates with what you know he's seeing on the streets. It's the single greatest predictor of whether or not someone will wind up in prison is whether or not they have a father that is in the picture, if they're raised by a single mother or not. That's the single greatest predictor right there. Definitely. And you mentioned it a little earlier there, Seal of God, over 100,000 copies sold, and congratulations to you on that. I know that you guys uh, in the teams take some slack from the community when you come out with one of these books. Um, If it were up to me, it would be mandatory for every frogman to write their autobiography the minute they leave the teams. I love to read all your guys' books. I I devour everything you guys come out with. Um, What was the genesis of you writing Seal of God, and have you gotten any backlash from the community about coming out with the book? Yeah, so I originally never intended to write a book. Uh, I got pushed to write a book by a friend of mine by the name of Ray Comfort. And even when he would say, you know, you, you got to write a book, you got to write a book, I would just tell him, yeah, maybe, you know, one day, something way off into the distant future, I figured, you know, once I'm a middle-aged man, you know, maybe I'll tell the tales. Uh, but, you know, he told me, look, here's the motive, is that you have an opportunity to share Christ. You know, this gives you a platform uh, to share the cross, to share the gospel in a way so many people, you know, they, they don't have. 
And so if you began to put it in that perspective right there, it's like, look, yeah, this is a stage. This is a platform. It's a podium. Uh, but up on that pedestal, it's not going to be all about me, me, me. You know, it's going to be about thee. It's going to be about God, the Lord. And so that was really the genesis of it right there. Uh, it was a matter of him and I actually being overseas in Israel uh, on the shoreline of Caesarea where we just stood there and we prayed about, you know, getting a book going. And uh, and I'd say God answered that prayer. And so that was the genesis of it. And, you know, yeah, while you're in the SEAL teams, and I remember like while we're in, you know, the guys kind of get together in that platoon space and talk about, you know, guys that have gotten out and, hey, you know, that guy over there, he wrote a book. And, you know, every guy that's in can't believe that that guy got out and, and wrote a book. And then the funny thing is, is usually the people that are like the loudest about it and most upset, you know, you find out they got out and they went off and, and, and wrote a book. And so I don't think the expectation is ever for any guy that gets out to just, you know, forget that he ever was a SEAL, you know, to, to take that off his resume or act like, you know, it never happened, never existed. You know, here's really the big issue is operational security. You know, that's the most important thing right there. You know, you don't want a guy writing a book that gives away any trade secrets. It gives away, you know, how we perform, you know, tactically. And so as long as a book is, you know, sans those tactics, it doesn't have those types of things. And I I really don't see a problem with it, you know, whatsoever. In fact, if you ask the the vast majority of guys that have ever joined the military and decide that they wanted to go and become a Navy SEAL, ask them, what was the genesis of that? You know, what started that right there? And almost every time without fail, they will point to a book that they read. You know, after all, how how do they even know what it is to be a Navy SEAL? How do they know that they want to be a Navy SEAL, right? It's a book that they read. And so for me, I think it was uh, Rogue Warrior. Uh, That was a book that just gave me some perspective, some idea of what it is to be a Navy SEAL uh, that perhaps, you know, planted that seed somewhere deep down inside. And I can't tell you how many times now young guys have uh, written me and told me that they're inspired now to go into uh, the SEAL teams after reading my book. And there are guys that have made it all the way through the pipeline uh, that I get text messages from like, hey, today, you know, just graduated, made it through. It's so awesome to see that, that full circle. Uh, and so, yeah, there there is a, a little bit of, uh, I guess, a little bit of drama there to some degree with some people. But I, I think if you really sit down and think critically about it, uh, there's a right way and a wrong way to go about it. Yeah, you made some excellent points right there, Chad. And as far as reading books for inspiration, uh, at what age would you feel comfortable with your kids reading Seal of God? Wow. Yeah, that's a really good question right there. Uh, so... As far as age appropriate goes, man, there's some things about me back in the day that I don't necessarily want my kids to know, at least for a little while. Um, I got to think about that for a little bit. You know, both of them are three and six years old. I I just kind of want to think like, man, I'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, But I was a bad little kid. I don't want to give them any inspiration. (laughs) Um, I don't have anything in there that's, that's too graphic. I have you know, parents that, that write me that tell me that they've, uh, you know, been reading the book to their kids that are six or seven years old. And here's the thing. You know, I have a mentor in the book by the name of Scott Helvenston, and he was the, one of the private contractors at Blackwater uh, back March 31st, 2004, uh, that was ambushed and uh, and killed. And him and three other Americans that were inside the vehicle, uh, they, you know, were ripped out of the vehicles and, and dragged through the streets and hung upside down from the Euphrates River Bridge. And, you know, I talk about that. And that's some graphic stuff right there. Um, But, you know, I don't think that it's too heavy because at the same time, you know, we could talk to our kids about, you know, what Jesus Christ has gone through, you know, at the cross. Uh, 
he was crucified up there on the cross. Literally, the word, you know, excruciating, uh, that's a word that was invented for the type of torture that would take place uh, at the cross. You know, we use excruciating pain because we stub our toe. When that word, there was no word to describe just how awful crucifixion was, so they came up with the word excruciating. And the word literally means out of the cross. It's pain that comes out of the cross. And so, you know, while there are certain things that, that there's situations that talk about sacrifice like that. You know, one of the last things my mentor told me is, Junior, when I go over there, perhaps I can make a difference. So the way that I see it, as I look back on it, he was over there to make a difference. He was over there for the sake of freedom, and he gave his life in that process. And the greatest act of love is just that. In fact, Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, one that lays down his life for his friends. So I look at my mentor like a hero. I look at other men like Michael Monsoor, who's a U.S. Navy SEAL, who jumped on a hand grenade and took the blast of that grenade all on himself so that others could live. He's a hero. He's a demonstration of those words. And certainly the Savior is a demonstration of those words who sacrificed his life up there. Much like Mike Monsoor that absorbed the blast of a grenade on himself, Jesus absorbed the blast, not of a hand grenade, but he absorbed the wrath of our sin upon himself. Why? So that we also could live. And so I think that if someone is mature enough uh, to hear the message of the cross and what took place at the cross and, you know, what Jesus did, I, I think that they are mature enough to, you know, hear at least, the war story or combat stories, you know, that I have there in the book. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but there's also kind of like that, that side of me when I was younger where I wouldn't necessarily want, you know, my kids to be reading about that because I wouldn't want them to be too inspired. I made explosives when I was a kid and I really got messed up pretty bad. Um, and <laughs> I don't even want any kids that might be listening. I don't know if kids listen to this program as well, but, Basically, I, I kind of talk about how I put those explosives together. And like I said, I got messed up really bad as a kid. And so just stuff like that, I wouldn't want to inspire my kids to do. So I'd have to think about, you know, in, in terms of, you know, age. What As a parent, you can pick and choose the parts that your kids are going to get to read or what you read to them. It's time to get an important message from our sponsors and then right back with more from Chad Williams. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Seat Geek. Taking your kids to the ball game is one of the greatest experiences in all of fatherhood. And now, First Class Fatherhood has partnered with SeatGeek, and you could save $20 off your next ticket purchase by using the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS. Maybe you want to go to a Broadway show, a concert. SeatGeek has the best prices for a wide variety of events. It's a slam dunk deal, dads. Get over to www.seatgeek.com and use the promo code FIRSTCLASS to get $20 off your next ticket purchase. SeatGeek.com. Okay, very cool. Well, a struggle for a lot of us dads here, myself included, is the kids having access to all this information with the technology. I know that they are young yet, but kids are swiping screens in kindergarten now and everything else. So how do you kind of handle screen time with your kids? Are they into YouTube and all that? Yeah, we do let them have a little bit of screen time. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's at uh, a restaurant if they've already finished eating their food and, you know, they're getting a little, uh, getting a little antsy, a little crazy. Uh, but the programs that we have them watch, we just we utilize those uh, parental controls. And so we just make sure that, you know, they're not going to have access to anything that could, you know, harm their minds. And uh, we just try and limit the amount of time. I, I really prefer my kids spending the majority of their time, you know, outside uh, and enjoying, you know, nature, enjoying the sun, you know, doing something physical, something active. But you know, there are some times where we allow them to have that screen time. 
Yeah, and this just popped into my mind here, Chad. You mentioned that you were into explosives when you were younger. Did you do any kind of gender reveal to find out the sex of the kids, like toss a grenade to see if it blows up a pink or blue smoke? That's a great idea, you know, for some guys out there. Uh, but no, we wanted to know. Uh, my wife is a, a big time planner, and so she wanted to know, and I wanted to know uh, in advance. And so I, I was cool with it either way. If she wanted to wait, I'd be willing to wait too, right? Uh, but we wanted to know uh, in advance. That was uh, her decision, therefore our decision. And uh, she was able to, you know, plan some cool stuff for both the kids. All right. How about discipline, Chad? I know you're a former frogman. Discipline is a big part of your lifestyle. But how are you as a disciplinarian when it comes to being a father? Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, discipline is certainly a necessity. Uh, there's almost nothing more unfortunate than coming across a, a child out in public that, you know, lacks any discipline. It's like just smoke to the eyes and everybody knows that experience and that, that feeling right there. So, you know, with that said, discipline being a necessity, the question is, you know, what, what type of discipline, right? And I, I think that depends on what type of parent you are and uh, what your kids are like. Uh, it could range from, you know, a stern answer to putting them on timeout to, you know, a spanking. And so, you know, in our household, it's, uh, it's all of the above right there. But again, it depends on what type of parent you are and, and the kid as well, because certain kids, you could reason with them, right? Like both of our kids are so different. And I'm sure that's the experience for most other parents out there that have more than one. And you, you think that once you've had one, that you've got it down and you know how it's going to be. And then the other one comes out and it's totally a different way. And you're like, what in the world? These are two completely different human beings right here. And so some children, it seems that you could literally just use words. You could reason with them. You could tell them, like, don't touch that over there because it will burn you. And they'll look at you and say, okay, like, I process that and I'll take your word for it. You know, then there's other children out there, and this is the way that I was, where you could tell me not to touch something, but I'm going to have to learn that, you know, for myself. I'm going to have to get burned in order for me to learn not to touch that hot thing over there. And so, you know, it's definitely uh, different strokes for different folks. Uh, based off of just the temperament of the child, that will kind of determine, you know, what is necessary. But I, I do believe that discipline is so critical. Um, it's, it's, and you do it because you love your children, right? And another thing I would say, too, and this really comes out of our steel creed, is here's the thing. When it comes to discipline, number one, we've got to be cons consistent, right? No has got to mean no. It can't be like this is your first and second and third warning. So consistency is so important for the sake of your children, and it will keep your sanity and we have to have that ability to control our emotions and actions regardless of the circumstances. And I, I'm preaching this as much to myself as, as everybody else. By no means have I perfected this. I'm a flawed human being, but I know uh, that this is right, and I know this is important, and I know why. Uh, I saw this especially in, you know, SEAL training. You know, your instructors are almost like your parents. And so there's two different types of instructors out there. You know, there's that instructor that is like a crazy drill instructor, sergeant, like just – screaming in people's faces, going off, and this is effective for a little bit. It is effective because as a student, you want to please that instructor. You want them to be proud of you. Uh, you don't want them to be upset. When they get in your face, you really feel like, man, I have done something wrong. You want to fix it. Uh, and then there's that other instructor that is kind of that very calm, cool, collected, quiet instructor that doesn't really say a whole lot. But when he says, when he says something, you know uh, that he really means it. Uh, well, between these two instructors, you know, the one that is always just screaming his head off, you know, in your face, eventually that begins to lose its effectiveness. 
It's effective for a little bit, but it begins to lose its effectiveness. You become just sort of numb to it, just just deaf and, and, and tuned out. You realize this person just loses it over everything, and so you're not so moved by that anymore. Uh, whereas this very quiet instructor, I mean, all they have to do is come walking up to you, look you in the eyes, and say, hey, the way you handled that situation over there really disappointed me. And, man, the way that that just – it's like a dagger – yeah, to the heart right there. And so, you know, always, you know, being loud or losing control of emotions and actions, it, it might sort of get your kids to act a certain way in the moment, but in the long run, I think it really will work against them and it'll work against uh, the parent as well. We need to have that ability to control our emotions and actions regardless of the circumstances during that discipline. We need to be consistent. No, it's got to be no. And then obviously there's just an escalation uh, of force that is used maybe from, you know, a stern word to not do something to time out to, you know, if you spare the rod, you will spoil the child. There is a time for that as well. Well said, Chad. And what you were saying there really nails it down as to why it's so important to have both parents in the household because it gives you that chance to have both the drill instructor style of discipline and then the the cooler, calmer approach. And it doesn't really matter who takes on which one of those roles, but having both parents working together on it really makes all the difference. And I know for me personally, it gives my wife a chance to kind of help me stay in check if I'm overdoing it or maybe if I'm giving in a little too much, as I often do with my princess there. She's she's my youngest. She's my only girl. So I'm definitely a work in progress when it comes to punishing her but having the other parent present in the home is certainly an advantage absolutely absolutely key right there and i i should have mentioned yeah always follow up with love you know so even if uh even if you have to use like that that top tier level escalation like always follow up with with love with the kids you let them know why you did this right because i started off like saying like the reason why we discipline our children is because we love them because we want the best for them. Definitely. And like you said there, I have four of them and each one of them is completely different. They all require a totally different style of discipline and parenting. So um, I agree with you there. All right. You've accomplished so much already. Navy SEAL, best-selling book. What's next for Chad Williams? What kind of goals do you have for yourself that you're looking forward to for the future? Uh, what I want to do is, is continue what I'm doing right now, but to an even greater capacity. And so I'm all over the nation getting these opportunities to speak at a lot of faith-based events. That's really my heartbeat right there. You know, I want to be able to share uh, the gospel with other people. But then I get these unique opportunities to speak at at corporate events. And at these corporate events, what I'm able to do is share uh, biblical principles uh, that tie back into uh, the SEAL teams. Uh, For instance, uh, one of them being, you know, just being a common man with uncommon desire. That's part of our SEAL creed right there. That's the type of person that makes it through SEAL training. A lot of people think that the type of person that makes it through must be a very special individual, cut from another piece of cloth or, you know, just born and bred with the right kind of DNA that produced that stamina that ultimately, you know, got them through training when in reality, uh, that's really not the stuff that counts the most. The, the most important stuff is the stuff that every individual has control over. And that's their mindset, their desire to be that common man with uncommon desire to succeed uh, but I, I see this all tying back into, you know, biblical principles as well. So I could use biblical examples of how, you know, God uses very ordinary men to accomplish extraordinary things. And if you think about a guy like, you know, David, he was literally the runt of the litter. He was the very last pick. He wasn't even in consideration when it came uh, to options of, you know, the king of Israel. Uh, but 
it's guys like David, little David, you know, God uses men like that to ultimately take on the giants in life, you know, the Goliath that's out there. So I have a great opportunity to share with, you know, corporate groups along those lines as well. So just to continue what I'm doing to a greater capacity and you know, who knows, there, there might be another book in the works too along those lines. Good stuff. All right. Last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Chad. I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? Uh, That's a really good question. You know, something that really struck me one time when I was getting together with some some seasoned dads, some dads that had some grown-up kids. It was some advice that I got from them that has really stuck with me that I would like to echo to everybody else. So uh, one day I was a little worn out. I was a little tired. And it had something to do with a long night and, you know, my, my daughter coming, running into the room and, and waking me up at a, a very early hour that I didn't want to be uh, awoken. And so I had kind of just vented that a little bit to these older guys, told them, ah, you know, my, my daughter, you know, got me up so early this morning, a couple hours before that alarm was even going to go off. And I remember the look that they had in their eyes, you know, they sort of had this, this thousand mile stare, like they were looking right through me and I could tell like they're not exactly being very receptive of what I'm saying right now and I remember one of them then opened up and he says uh Chad you have no idea the amount of money I would pay to have that happen one more time in my life to have my little girl come running up to me and wake me up you have no idea and so the lesson right there is just man, teach me to number my days you know realizing that just like everybody says, you know, they grow like weeds at this time, it's going to fly by. I'm really trying to grasp that, like take hold of that, that I am not always going to have that. We will not always have that. So it's just to make the most of the time that we have with them, to be present, to put down the phone, to push the computer away. You know, it's my son, like this morning, he came running up to me and I was in the middle of answering emails. He wants me to read him a book hey, that's way more important to me. I'm going to read that book then, you know, with him because I know these are the times and these are the things that I'm going to wish that I spent more time and wish that I had more of. And I see that even in ministry, you know, on the deathbed. You know, people, the biggest regrets that they have in life are not so much the things that they did. It's the things that they didn't do. That's what they try and communicate when I would go visit them in hospitals or at their homes. It's the things that they wish they would have spent more time on investing in. And I'm not talking about investing money. I'm talking about investing that time with family. It's all about their, their faith, their family, their friends. It's the relationships right there. And so I would just want to emphasize that with all the guys that are listening right now. If those are the things that we ought to be investing into. You never re- regret the, the amount of time that you spend investing into it. But we will regret it uh, one day if we haven't spent enough. Very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. You are a first-class father all the way. And I have to say, Chad Williams, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. All right, I'm back to wrap things up in a second here and hand out that second rose. Find out who the other bachelor is joining me next week. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Chad Williams for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM over on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. And for those of you guys who stuck around here to find out who the next Bachelor is, I already mentioned that Ryan Sutter will be joining me next week. 
This second guy was a runner-up on The Bachelorette. He proposed to the girl. She denied him, and then he became The Bachelor. I'm talking about Jason Mesnick. He was the bachelor that was on the show with his son, Ty. There was a little controversy surrounding him being on there. He proposed to one girl, and then he changed his mind, took the ring back, proposed to another girl. So a lot of uh, controversy surrounding him. He's a first-class father now. He has a a second child, so that's going to be a lot of fun. So join me next week, changing up the tone a little bit here with a couple of bachelors. going to be a lot of fun. And please, do not keep this podcast a secret. Pass it around to every father in the neighborhood in your contact list. Let's help the podcast grow here a little bit. That's all I got for you guys. I hope you enjoy your weekend out there with your kids, whatever you're doing, and come right back here on Monday for the next episode. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood, and please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers, and we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers.